I struggled <laughs> and I struggled oh, and I struggled to come up with a topic. Mm-hmm. But then I came up with one. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to tell everybody, you know, it's my episode this week. So, you know, you need to sit down, <laughs> get buckle up. <laughs> you need to relax, get a cup of coffee, glass of wine, whatever it is you need. Unless you're driving, stick with right. the coffee. Right, right. Um, it was going to be a quickie. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Um, <laughs> and it, what to boot, which it probably was a blessing. The other night I couldn't sleep. I mean, I literally could not sleep. No matter oh. what I did, I, my eyeballs were tired. Oh. But the rest of me was like, my everything was just like awake except for my eyeballs. And I finally, about 3.30, I gave up. Oh. I said, I'm going to write my podcast. <laughs> That blows my mind that you have been in researching too much Ruth. That's something she would do. I was just like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm yeah. obviously not going to sleep, you know, and how much more scrolling can I do? So I just got uh, up and started to, it, God, it took me forever. And I apologize, but I might have a stack of papers here, but it's handwritten and it's double spaced. So maybe oh, it's not as long as I think. No, um, I just wanted to mention as people know, we're doing this back to back because we mentioned it in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick Google search. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, I'm just looking at the historypress.com or .co.uk. Okay, uh-huh. here's 20 things you didn't know about Charlotte Bronte. Now I'm not going to tell you all 20, but there was a couple oh. interesting little tidbits in here. Okie dokie. Did you know? And you probably did. You just didn't put it in your thing. So I'll tell people. Uh-huh. Um, Charlotte could not see well in the dark. She could see well in the dark, but not in the light. Oh, she was very short-sighted, and she took this after her father, who her father later in life had to have cataracts cut away without anesthetic. O M G. And she was so short-sighted, she actually had to give up playing the piano because she couldn't read the sheet music while she was sitting there. Oh, that came up nowhere in my reading. That's unbelievable. Uh, That's what I'm here. Um, Miss <laughs> Charlotte was also totally obsessed with the Duke of Wellington. Right. Like you would be with, you know, a pop star of today or yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. The Duke of Wellington was her thing. He might be my thing too. Uh, she, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> um, remember she spent a year um, at, what was it, Rowhead or whatever? Well, there was Cowan Bridge and then she also taught at Rowhead or something like that. Yeah. yeah well, when she taught there. Mm-hmm. She hated the kids too. Oh, just like Emily. Um, yeah, she writes of the stupidity, the atmosphere, school, books, the employment. They're all asses, the society. <laughs> and adult came up with a lesson. I thought I should have vomited. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Let's just say she wasn't a fan. Oh, right. <laughs> and, but to boot, she also stunk at housekeeping. Yeah. Team, team Emily actually was very good at domestic duties, mm-hmm. but Team Charlotte was terrible. When her father had the eye surgery, you know, the eye surgery, no anesthetic, that one. Yeah. Charlotte had to be with him in, in Manchester until his sight came back. Oh. And in her letter, she confessed that she found shopping and cooking very difficult. And on her first attempt to iron clothing, she managed to burn them all. <laughs> That's my kind of girl. To be fair, if you think about what the irons were back then, I can't see how you couldn't. Is that I would think those were the big iron ones you had to put in the fire to heat up first. Yeah, I think that you right. actually put coal in them. They were like sort of yeah. hollow and you put coal in them. God. Um, you know what I'm thinking, though? They could have just given their father a little bit of that graveyard water. And I think that he would have that would have put him out for his surgery. <laughs> or it would have corrected the eye. Well, no, because... <laughs> Charlotte had bad eyesight, so that didn't work. Okay, but still. But, she, you know, she she was only four and a half feet tall. Right. I did read that. I didn't put it in, but isn't that incredible? A tiny little thing. Yeah. Um, and then, scandal. Oh. Did you know Charlotte fell in love with her married teacher? Yeah, the one in Belgium? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what the professor, apparently that's what the professor was based on. The one that didn't mm-hmm. get published. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Scandalous. Uh-huh. Uh and didn't and she she dedicated Jane Eyre to him, right? I didn't read that. Um, I don't know. Ooh. Oh, poor thing. That hurts. 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. I lied. All right. One of Charlotte's literary heroes was William Mark Peace Thackeray. So right. she dedicated the first edition of Jane Eyre to him. Mm-hmm. She didn't know him. Oh. But evidently this led to a scandal. Mm. Uh, and then this one I thought was fun. Mm-hmm. Before Charlotte's infatuation became too evident, she was well regarded by Constantine Hager and his wife. So much so that knowing her love of all things related to the Duke of Wellington, he gave Charlotte a fragment from the coffin of Napoleon Bonaparte that he had earlier bought. It's now in that museum. So now we have to plan a trip to England. There you Wow. Our, our like trip is getting bigger and bigger. It is. Isn't it great? It is. And it's all very, we have very specific things we need to do. I like that. It's all like, it's all about the photos. I'm sorry. If you didn't have a photo of it, you didn't do it. So Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so that was all from the historypress.co.uk. That was just a quick Google search. Anyway, Amazing. I thought it was kind of fun. Thank you. Yeah, that was um, awesome. Obviously, I don't think we have any news because we literally like recorded the last episode 10 minutes ago. Anything new in the past 10 minutes? Well, I, I ventured into the kitchen. I got some water and then I came mm-hmm. back. That's it. Okay, well, I'm still working on the half glass that I have left. So Okay. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for tuning in. It is, what is it? Episode 13. That's incredible. Lucky 13. Lucky 13. I'm going to look, I'm going to devote an episode to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Chris's turn to present, and I'm super, super curious to know what the subject was that started off. It was going to be, what did you say? A quickie? And it turned into, it turned into Wuthering Heights. It's not only was it going to be a quickie, but now I'm looking at it going, I can do a ton of different versions of this. Oh boy. I'm stuck. I have something to fall back on. There you go. All right. Well, what version are you going to present us with today? Well, obviously the first version. (laughs) But this is like a tree. We're at the trunk right now, but this will take us all kinds of branches and twigs. But today we're just doing the trunk. Okay. Bring on the trunk. Bring on the trunk. We're ready for the trunk. trunk. Yeah. All right, sweetie. This week I've gone with something fun. Mm -hmm. Shocker. Yeah. Wow. That's how did you come up with that blind, mind blowing idea? (laughs) Well, to be fair, I assumed yours was going to be super heavy. So I just like, I'm like, I want to learn a lot more, but life is so kind of down lately between COVID and Ukraine and, and gas prices and supermarket prices and everything else. I I I just, I can't focus on like the things I really need to know. So I focus on the stuff that I don't really need to know, but yet they're kind of fun to learn. I feel like that's kind of what we need right now. Yeah, I totally agree. Again, it's a coping mechanism. And so many people are in this sort of down, you know, state. So yeah, anything we can do to alleviate that, let's do it. We need Chris to do that because I don't generally do that. <laughs> I w- let him put a little, little note here. This whole thing, it's perfectly fine as far as I know for everyone to listen to it, except for the very last part when I say, oh, this is my favorite part. Okay. If you're in the car with some younger kids, maybe you want to just stop it there and listen to it on your own, make your own decision if you want everyone else to hear about it. Okay? Oh, I want to fast forward to that part. You're going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The floor is yours. All right. So summer is essentially here. So everyone is in like travel mode. And with COVID restrictions lifting, many are going quite far away. So I decided to come up with, we'll use the word unique, mm-hmm. uh, traditions and customs and or festivals from around the globe. Very I cool. I don't want to say the word strange or weird because they're just mm-hmm. merely different than what I am accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm sure the U.S. has more than enough strange ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went outside the U.S. Yeah. So if we laugh, it's obviously because the custom that we find the custom to be different than ours, but we're not laughing at the custom. Exactly. So get, let's get on with it. Yeah. You know All what right. I mean, people. Yes. Okay. These are in no particular order, but I did kind of try to group them together. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get all over the globe, but let me tell you, there's still tons that I didn't get to. Oh, I'm sure. So, uh, but I did choose not to include any from Easter or Christmas because they all have their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were so many that were either Christmas traditions or Easter traditions. I'm like, oh, those are for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I also chose to leave out 
um, tribal traditions because mm-hmm. that's entirely different. This is just, you know, modern day mm-hmm. global traditions. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's start with one that you may have heard of. La Tomatina Festival. Nope. Have you heard of it? Nope. All right. Well, it's held on the last Wednesday in August in the town of Bunal, near Valencia, Spain. Hmm. This is known as the world's biggest food fight. Ooh. I know. Now, no one knows exactly why this happens, but there is some theory, like back in 1944-45, the disgruntled townspeople attacked a councilman during a celebration. Ah. The most popular one, according to Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. in 1945, there was a parade, and one of the marchers who was wearing one of those big cumbersome costumes, you know, with the big heads and stuff, Mm -hmm. well... He got the head of the of said costume knocked off, and mm-hmm. he got mad and began hitting everything in sight. And there happened to be a vegetable stand there, and that's oh. the food fight began. <laughs> so, uh, again, whatever the reason, they still celebrate it today. Oh, I love that. I would love to do that. Well, before 2013, there was forty to 50,000 people that would come to this itty-bitty tiny little town to oh, participate. I think it's like a town of 8,000 I read. I didn't write it down, but I think it's like 8,000. Oh, my God. So now, since since then, only 20,000 participants are allowed. And you must buy tickets ahead of time. But you can get them online. So on the day of the event at 11 a.m., the trucks roll into town with more than 100 metric tons of overripe tomatoes. And they leave them in the town center. Oh, my God. Now... You're like, how do we know when to start? Well, there is a, you know, a whole thing to it. So traditionally for the event to officially begin, one brave soul must climb to the top of a two-story greased pole to reach the coveted. Well, I'm sure you know what's at the top, right? A tomato? Of the pole? Flag? A ham. <laughs> oh, of course, a ham. Sorry. Where was my plane? What's wrong with me? Something to go with the tomatoes, a ham. So it's getting hungry again. (laughs) That always happens with my stories. So this can take a long time. So uh, over time, it's now kind of starts when they fire a water cannon. Uh, (laughs) This fight lasts exactly one hour. So now you've traveled across the globe to this little town for a fight that lasts for one hour. Oh, my God. Then the fire trucks come. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and they wash down the streets. Now there's some rules. Thank you. That was thank you for clarifying that yes. because I was like, who is going to clean that up? It was just it was oh, already bothering me. The, okay. Okay. They roll in. They clean it up. They say they seem to be more concerned cleaning it than they do actually the whole thing. Yeah. But your rules. Get your pen. Uh huh. No bottles or hard objects. Hmm. Uh, you cannot rip other people's t-shirts. I guess they had to make that a rule. <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's one of those things that they're like this happens too much now it's a rule <laughs> yeah it, it wouldn't be obvious that you're not supposed to rip other no. people's t-shirts <laughs> right. you, uh-huh. you gotta play nice yeah now okay. before you throw the tomato you have to squash it in your hands first oh uh you need to keep a safe dif- distance from the truck and after that hour you have to stop the minute you hear the second water cannon okay now, FYI, the pole event still continues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so if you go and you want to be the one climb pole, go for it. Uh, if you're the lucky pole climber, you get a prize. The ham? The ham. <laughs> That's not a bad prize. No. I'm sorry. Right. I, it's a greased pole, you said. They have to go up a greased yes. pole. God. Yes. Yeah, oh, they, that's why it's the water cannons now, because I guess to get up there it takes quite a long time. But I mean, come on, this ham. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have to be some ham to to make me go up that grease pole. But I want to know, you, right. so you have the grease pole two stories up. Now you've got the ham. You gotta get down that pole. <laughs> oh my god. Unless the fire trucks oh. help you, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, maybe you plan on being in Iceland in January. Any plans? You know, it's funny. You read my mind. Yes, I was just making plans. <laughs> no. What's going on in Iceland <laughs> in January? Oh. Well, if you're in Iceland in Jan- January, specifically 
the first Friday after the 13th of January. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's an auspicious number in there somewhere. <laughs> well, excuse my terrible Icelandic pronunciation, but you can join in the Theroblot festivities. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another festival that we don't know the origins of the name. Mm-hmm. Um, some say Thori means winter. I'm Others sorry. Say it's a- I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but some say it's after the, the Norwegian king Thor Snærson. Okay, right. Norwegian king Thor and Snærson. Or it's from Thor, the god of thunder. Mm. Take your pick. Doesn't really seem to matter. Uh, this <laughs> doesn't. Uh, but this celebration does seem to have some pagan roots, as most do. Mm-hmm. They say this festival was an offering to the pagan gods of Iceland. Cool. Anyway, the goal of the festival is ready for this one. You're going to love it. Uh-huh. It's to eat the most disgusting foods available, as this is a sign of strength. And I quote. <laughs> oh, my. It's listed. That's a, yeah. Uh, so if you go, if you go on the menu, there might be some sour testicles. Oh. Yeah, because sweet testicles are delicious. <laughs> For this festival, we're having sour testicles, <laughs> boiled sheep's heads. Sorry, boiled what? Sorry? Sheep's heads. Right. Oh, God. But wait, maybe you'll prefer the dung smoked lamb. Sorry. Not dung. big into dung smoked lamb? <laughs> Have the fermented shark. Oh, mm, 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 okay. Oh, wait. <laughs> this is my personal favorite. Or the congealed blood wrapped in ram's stomach. Oh, God. Seriously, I felt something come up my throat. Uh, <laughs> uh. This, is, this is only the tip of the iceberg of what you can have, but that's just a sampling. Oh, Lord. Now, you n- might need to wash this down. Of course. So why don't you grab a, we might want to grab a pint of Brennivin. Which is? It's also known as, well, it's also known as Black Death. Oh. <laughs> it's a potent schnapps made from potatoes and caraway. Oh, my God. <laughs> so after this feast, songs and games and dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those who survived. I know, huh? <laughs> Okay, so moving on. That If that one didn't pique your interest, or you're just going to put it on your bucket list, there's another yeah. festival around the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so every spring there is a festival commemorating the change of seasons in Zeneca, Bosnia. Mm. It's called the Simbariajada. Don't question it. I'm sure it's right. Let's go okay. on. Because you can also call it the Festival of Scrambled Eggs. <laughs> now that I can get on board with. <laughs> well... So, you know, there are other foods served, but the eggs are the real star. Mm. As eggs represent birth of a new life. Mm-hmm. Now, immediately after sunup, 1,500 eggs are prepped using a secret 40-year-old recipe, which, I'm sorry, 40-year-old doesn't sound that amazing. But Actually, <laughs> a secret yeah. 40-year-old race. <laughs> yeah, I was, and like, that, alive. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I know. So they start to prepare the eggs, and then they include their traditional butter and a secret ingredient. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. I I fear what the, I don't know what it is, but evidently it's tasty. Oh, you don't know what it is? Oh dear. It's a secret gradient. So this celebration lasts all day and night into uh like right into the night with barbecues and music, and many will brave the cold waters of the river Bosnia to signify mm. the beginning of the swimming season. Oh, I like that. Who doesn't like eggs? Okay. Scrambled eggs? Oh, love. If they have a whole festival around the scrambled eggs, it must be pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, maybe you really want to go back to Spain for that food fight. Well, there is another food fight to speak, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. This one takes place in northern Italy mm-hmm. during Carnival of Ivrea. Mm-hmm. Ivrea, Ivrea, Ivrea. Take your pick. Yeah. This is called the Battle of the Oranges. Ooh. I know. I just feel like this whole thing is a gigantic waste of food. <laughs> or maybe it's food that would be, um, what's it called? 
uh, thrown away anyway. That's I, I'm just going to hope that. I, I don't know. The other one was 100 metric tons. 100 metric tons of overripe tomatoes. I'm Actually, sure they could have done something with it before the food fight. Anyway, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, it, to be fair. It's everybody's culture. Do your thing. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, sure. This one is called Battle of the Oranges. Mm-hmm. It is when the town commemorates the day the town folk were liberated from the harsh rule of an evil duke. Ooh. And the story goes that back to way back in medieval times when Duke William VII of Montferrat, mm. I'm sure I said that wrong. Because that was more of a French accent. Uh, he, reigned, he reigned over Italy. I guess this duke liked to exercise droit du seigneur. Do you know what that is? I don't, but it sounded really good. I doubt it did. Because again, it sounded kind of French. And isn't this in Italy? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. this is a law or rule that gave feudal lords the right to have quote unquote relations mm-hmm. uh, with subordinate women. In particular on their wedding night. Okay, can it, sorry, I need to clarify something. Whose wedding night is it? It doesn't matter. As long as anybody's getting married, he feels yeah. like he has the right because he's the he's Oh, the okay. Sorry, got it. All right. Wow. He'd be like the wedding gift, right? Oh, <laughs> that's sweet of him. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, this one woman, Violetta, mm-hmm. she promised her husband that she would do everything not to give him this. Mm-hmm. And that evening... She kept her word. When the tyrant arrived, his plans were thwarted when she decapitated him. Oh, very. I thought at first that was going to. I, I thought that was going to be like a quotation decapitated, but no, it was actually decapitated. <laughs> oh my god! And then the town folk took action by storming the castle and setting fire to it. So now every year, one young woman from the village is chosen to be Violetta. Wow. And she's in a parade inside. She just spends the whole week being Violetta and is considered quite an honor, by the way. I'm sure. Now, what about the oranges? Mm. Thousands of town people are divided into nine teams. Thousands of townspeople are divided into nine teams, okay? Right. You ha- On these teams, you have a set of orange hand- handlers on foot mm-hmm. uh, to throw oranges. And those oranges represent old weapons and stones. And then on the other side, you have orange throwers, and they're Mm -hmm. riding on carts representing the tyrant's army, which some say represent the tyrant's testicles, but... (laughs) I knew there would be a testicle reference in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's twice in like three stories. I know. So so this goes on for a couple days. The fighting ends on Shrove Tuesday, Mm -hmm. just in time for the pancakes. Yeah. uh, With a solemn funeral. So it's, you know, it's so anyway, so fun fact in 2019, they used because that was the last time they had one. They used 11,000 tons of oranges. Oh, God. And there were over 12,000 players uh, roaming around were 150 historical characters. Fun. Wow. Wow. Ready for this one? Yeah. More than 11 bean fests. Oh, (laughs) where where does the bean fest (laughs) figure into all of this? I question the same thing, but I guess originally, uh-huh. originally they used to actually throw beans. Oh, ow. Changed... yeah, but wait, well, no beans would be much better to throw than oranges. <laughs> I know, but I just feel like an orange is going to like bonk you, you know, whereas a bean is like, could become like a pellet. <laughs> no, I feel, I, I think if throwing a bean versus throwing an orange, you're not going to get quite as injured but anyway they switched from beans to apples oh and god to oranges Ow. and i know for yeah. the love of god we were worried about oranges. beans yeah <laughs> but we don't know why they picked oranges because they don't grow there they actually have to ship them in from sicily <laughs> oh oh my god <laughs> like i have no words yeah okay whatever that will remain a mystery uh, but that's so you know when you go there. I don't recommend it just because I think the oranges would really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just give saying. me give me rotting tomatoes anytime. I have to assume that you can be a spectator. You know? Mm. I assume oh, yeah. that only those who want to be in the fight, unlike the tomatoes. Yes. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. 
All right. Well, so if you're in Denmark, mm-hmm. you just roam in the streets and then you see a man or a woman and they're tied to a chair or a pole mm-hmm. and you see them being doused in cinnamon. Uh-huh. Don't despair. Okay. Say happy birthday. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 Do tell. Well, this is another tradition that we're not sure where it came from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but evidently, if you are turning 25, oh. man or woman, and you're single, uh-huh. your friends will do this to you. Oh, my God. I, I figure this is a good way for your friends to kind of advertise that you're still available. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is like, um, you ever see the color fest where people are just covered head to toe in it? That happens with cinnamon. Yeah, I think, okay, cinnamon though, like if you inhale cinnamon, isn't it like lethal kind of thing? Like, <laughs> I was kind of thinking the same thing, but they've been doing this forever, so I don't know. Okay, they're but experts. also, your friends will also douse you in water sometimes so it sticks more. Aw, bless them. I know, well, it's all in good fun, but be warned, if you turn 30 and you're still not married, mm-hmm. ready for this? Mm-hmm. It, it's no longer cinnamon, they douse you in pepper. Oh my God. Wow. So I'm sure, I assume a lot of marriages happen just to avoid all of this. <laughs> they get married with 29, divorced by 31. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Unbelievable. All right. Well, seeing as we're on a food theme, uh-huh. any plans for being in Thailand on the last Sunday in November? Nope, but I might change my mind. You might, because there is quite an event, which includes an enormous buffet with over two tons of fruits and vegetables. Oh, God. Nice. Unfortunately, they're not for you. Oh. This is the yearly monkey buffet. Uh, no <laughs> way! Aww! Yeah, they show they like to show their respect to the long-tailed Mackie monkeys. Aww. I love that. See, about 2,000 years ago, legend says that Okay, the monkey king, Hanuman, and yeah. his army helped mm-hmm. a prince rescue his wife, Sita, mm-hmm. from a demon lord. That's um, that's a Hindu, uh, what's his name? Um, Hanuman was, is a Hindu god. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Thailand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very cool. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. So the monkeys are considered good luck. So this buffet for, is for about 3,000 monkeys. Wow. I know, and it takes place at the ruins of the Priva Prang Sam Yacht Temple in Lopbori, Thailand. Wow. Now, now, this festival begins with dancers and, of course, monkey costumes, oh. followed by the monkeys. Now, oh. they don't bring all 3,000 at once. It's like four different times during the day. But remember, the buffet is only for the monkeys. Oh. But they do have stalls of food and everything else for you around. Oh, um, my. I, I love that. Well, be warned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the monkeys are very used to humans, mm-hmm. so they will beg you for more food. They'll <gasps> pickpocket you from all your possessions and quite possibly mount you. So just oh. a little warning. Okay, yeah. then maybe I maybe I love monkeys, but maybe I, I love them more in pictures. And I love you more too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mutual. <laughs> all right, so we've been on a food kick. Mm-hmm. So now would be a good time to tell you some manners that should you be visiting a new country this year? Okay. And of course, tip of the iceberg, people. Uh, if you're in Japan, all right, do not leave any food on your plate. This, this represents that you enjoyed your meal. Okay. Also, if you're eating noodles, mm-hmm. it is very impolite to eat them quietly. <gasps> uh, you must slurp it. Uh, it sounds like you're enjoying it, and it supposedly enhances the flavor of the noodles. Oh, I'm going to be, then I will be considered very polite in Japan. <laughs> well, make sure you eat, you eat all your food and your noodles. Oh my God. Uh, but now, wait a minute. Should you go to China, mm-hmm. do leave food on your plate. Don't oh. empty your plate. No. You, you got to take notes, people. Mm-hmm. It shows the food you uh, were provided was plentiful and filling. So, oh. uh Oh, I can see that too. Very interesting. It's, it's very rude. If you finish the whole plate, that means that you, you aren't full and you need more. Uh, and if you can manage a good sized burp too, they'll love it. Oh. <laughs> All right, I've got, yeah, China, I've got I've got I've got China covered too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Now, India is a little tricky. Mm-hmm. They're like Japan. You have to finish the food on the plate. Uh-huh. Uh, but don't say thank you. Oh. Uh, and you may have no- noticed this. Like people have, may have noticed it that sometimes they're sitting at a table and their friend may be of Indian descent. Mm-hmm. And if you pass a plate to them, they don't say thank you. Because in Indian culture, mm-hmm. you only use that in formal occasions, not in casual atmospheres. Like Aww. if I, you're passing me a plate, obviously I thank you, but I don't need to say it. Oh, wow. That is so interesting. You know, it's between friends. So yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have to thank you for everything. Uh, and also, if you're in South India mm-hmm. and your food happens to arrive on a banana leaf. Um, now, it says, I assume this means when you're done, fold the leaf from the top. From the top to the bottom and the bottom to the top? Well, no, because if you do the bottom, if you fold it from the bottom, mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means. I'll be yeah. honest. Um, now I'm afraid. Uh, it indicates you're still hungry. Oh, so my you have to be God. careful. I, mean, I suppose if you're still hungry, yeah. fold it from the bottom. <laughs> I guess like, that's what logic dictates. That's fascinating. Bana- I mean, but even just being served on a banana leaf, like I would be fine with just that. I'd so drop the whole thing in my lap. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it could get so ugly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, when you're in Egypt, absolutely do not, under any circumstances, ask for salt and pepper or any spice. Ooh. Mm. Don't carry a little container with you. Nothing. The chef made the food the way it should be eaten, and you need to honor that. Mm, and it's that- very rude to ask. You're saying you don't like the food if you ask for any. That makes sense, actually. And sometimes even I, I rarely, rarely ask for salt at a restaurant, but it has happened. And I felt bad. It's like, no, this is this is this is substandard. I need to add something to this, you know? Uh, OK, that makes yeah. sense. Well, my father used to put salt on everything. I mean, every but he was a smoker and a drinker. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> he had no taste buds left <laughs> uh, in Ethiopia. Uh, it's communal eating. Individual plates are wasteful. So. It's oh. from one big bowl and that's it. And what did I read? You're allowed to use, I don't remember. Never mind. You're allowed to use something. 10,000 uh, <laughs> 10, spoons? No, no, no spoons. It, you eat with your hands. Yeah, I love that. Uh, mm. If you're hungry, don't clink your glasses during cheers. Oh. Not the TV show, like when you're saluting someone. Right, right. Right. This stems back to 1848. This has actual, like, concrete. When the Australian government suppressed a Hungarian uprising. Mm-hmm. Did I say Australian? Yes. I really meant Austrian. Austrian. I was going to say that's pretty far <laughs> away, but okay. Yeah. I'm good for yeah. The, the Austrian government executed Hungarian rebels and the government celebrated their death with a public drinking and they would cheer and clink glasses. Ooh. Ooh. Very interesting. Hmm. Uh, there is one little thing I forgot, actually. When in China, if mm-hmm. you're served a whole fish for a meal, mm-hmm. okay, so now you get the whole fish. Yeah. All right. Do not flip the bones over to get the rest of the meat. Uh, wait a second. So I've taken the layer of meat off of the, like, off of the bone, like the top of the fish, mm-hmm. and I'm not allowed to get the meat under the bone? You can get the meat, but you got to deal with it your own special way. Okay. But you cannot flip the bones over. And don't forget, you've got to leave something on the plate too. So Right. <laughs> the, this is getting complicated for me. <laughs> um, okay. I wonder what flipping the bone, flipping the bone represents. It's not flipping the bone. It's turning the bones. And, it, oh. and you turn them. It represents uh, turning your back on someone or being a traitor. Wow. God, I yeah. love this stuff. So just get over it and scrape yeah. the fish. <laughs> uh, so I can't decide this next one I'm going to tell you about if it's actually would be under the food category. So, oh, shouldn't, uh, that, be, the, shouldn't that be obvious? Apparently not. Okay, let me hear. Yes. The Adi Paruku Festival in Tamil Nadu region of India. Mm hmm. This is celebrated every monsoon, which in my mind, I was like, so every time there's a monsoon, you celebrate? No, I'm an idiot. It's actually (laughs) mid-July. Okay. (laughs) This is a tribute to water and its life-giving nature. 
Um, there is, however, an unusual ritual that thousands of people line up for every year. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing performed outside the temple in Karur. Mm-hmm. So picture it. You're standing in line outside the temple. <gasps> Here comes the priest. It's your turn. The priest, the priest, the priest grabs hold of your head. Oh, look, there's a second priest. Oh, he's got a coconut. Uh, now, before you know it, he smashes the coconut over your head to break it open. Oh, my God. Does it break open or does your head break open? Well, it seems to be more of a simultaneous thing. Symbolically, it's yeah. for breaking free of your past and surrendering to the God. Realistically, oh. you need to go to the hospital and get stitched up. <laughs> oh, I know, but I love that stuff. You know, I love rituals and symbolism and stuff. Oh. Listen, I'm all for those things, but I'm not standing in that line. Yeah. If and- you choose... Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say, and they're they're probably not priests. They're anyway some sort of religious figures, right? Are priests just Catholic? You know, I when know. I was reading it, they the word priest. Thank you. Know, you okay. Sure. All right. But I'm sure you're right. You know. Okay. Um, we can look that one up. I, there's two guys that come out of this temple, yeah. and they got coconuts. <laughs> two two random so dudes. It probably go find out years later. Yeah. Anyway, if you choose not to go to the clinic, which they recommend you know blood oh. and all uh oh. they'll just apply turmeric uh turmeric powder or some sacred ash you'll be fine yeah uh obviously yeah yeah what so, yeah <laughs> sorry yeah go on what, yeah just carry from now on just throw some turmeric powder in your purse and go uh <laughs> anyway rumor has it devotees would this all came about because the devotees would pray to lord shiva and nothing would happen mm-hmm. Mm. Ah, but then they noticed a coconut had three mm. eyes like Lord Shiva. So mm-hmm. obvious choice would be to have someone crack it over your head. And they did. Oh. And they said they saw Lord Shiva. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure they saw Lord Shiva. Cracked over your head. <laughs> I'm sure you'd see a lot of things if you had a coconut cracked over your head. But, oh, Lord Shiva's very famous. He's one of the main Hindu yeah. gods. Very cool. Just letting you know. So there you go. Put it okay. on your bucket list if you want. Uh, I'll take photos. I'm not standing in line. Um, okay. So here's a couple of wedding traditions. Let's get off food for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard of the blackening of the bride in Scotland? Nope. And I've actually so. been to a this wedding is... in Scotland. So interesting. Oh, okay. Let me she's see. special. I, yeah. I'm Scottish. Ooh, my brother got married in Scotland. Wow. All right, let's hear it. All right. Well, let's go on vacation there. All right. This can take place day or even weeks before the wedding. Uh, The bride and or groom are captured by their friends. Mm -hmm. They are then doused in food, preferably sticky ones, and paraded around town, usually in the back of a pickup truck, banging pots and pans. Oh. Now, I'm not even going to go into what picture comes to my mind because someone might take it as a... (laughs) But it's like a scene from a movie that might have been, you know, a while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it, this tradition actually began, ready for this one, with the tradition of washing the feet of the bride to ward off evil spirits. Oh, I love but it, over though. The decades, over the decades, it's just changed completely, and now it's just a fun, gross game. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> Am I boring you yet? No. Well, that's good because if you're getting married in Germany, uh-huh. they, they have actually lots of customers, but one of them is being the polterbend. Okay. So you're at your house. One day an inviter shows up at your door. He's he or she is dressed all fancy. I think it's usually he. All fancy with a top hat and ribbons and flowers. Mm-hmm. This inviter goes door to door and this can take up several days because the invite has to be in person. Yeah. So they will personally invite you to the polterbend. Now, should you accept, you must pin a ribbon to their hat and oh. then offer them a drink. Oh, God. Uh, now, the night before the wedding is this event. There's a lot of food and drink, but most important part is the smashing of the plates and tableware. Mm-hmm. Now, do not break glass, china, or mirrors because that's all bad luck. Mm-hmm. At the end, the bride and groom must clean it up together, thus implying they can work together and deal with anything that comes their way. Aw, I like that. 
I did read, I was reading and they said, uh, you know, people do go overboard with this, like mm. out of pure fun. They'll bring like uh, porcelain toilets and things oh. like that to it and smash. They, oh I mean, my God. <laughs> the pictures you see of this thing. Yeah. The pictures you see, I mean, they're like up to the kneecaps in porcelain that they oh. have to clean up. I mean, it's, oh it's a huge God. mess. Oh, they might split up before the actual wedding day. I know. <laughs> I, I suppose they know. It was, the thing is they know about it, so they know what's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes little babies mm. and baby carriage. So in China, if you want a child that is not cursed, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> well, you must carry your pregnant wife over a bed of hot coals before <gasps> crossing the threshold of your house. Oh, also, I don't know if it's once or the, the whole nine months. I was never, it was never clarified. I assume it's just one time. Oh, <laughs> please God. Oh. I would think the population would be way down if it was every time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh. So uh, the, and, the wife so, is like, I carried your baby in my womb for nine months. And he's like, well, I walked over hot coals for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of even. Um, also, the mom has to keep a knife under her bed to ward off evil spirits. Okay. Uh, now, this next one is not a totally fun one. I oh. don't get this. I'm sorry. I'm I'm accepting of all traditions and everything, but this one just is a little much for me. Okay, let's hear it. Baby tossing. Oh, wow. Okay. In India, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is done in India. This is done during the first week of December mm-hmm. in the Maharashtra mm-hmm. and... Karnataka region. Okay. Karnataka region. Mm-hmm. I even spelt it out so I could say it and I still can't say it. Anyway, <laughs> here's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Climb up with your baby. They have to be two years and under mm-hmm. to the top of the temple. Now picture your two-year-old baby, two years old, you know, they know what's going on, right? Anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're going to climb to the top of this temple. It's about 30 to 50 feet or 15 meters off the ground, right? Yeah. Okay. Now hand your baby off to the priest. Or mm-hmm. it said priest again. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Yeah. The religious leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now watch this religious leader shake the baby. <gasps> oh, God. Then allow him to toss your baby off the roof into the crowd below. Oh, boy. Wow. Now, assuming the baby was caught in the bed sheet below, your baby will then be passed all through the crowd. Mm-hmm. And eventually you'll get the baby back. Now, some seven thousand speak. Christine, speak. Some seven thousand years ago, baby death rate was high, so some religious leader said, "Hey, build a temple. Then we'll just toss the baby off, and that'll take care of everything." Uh, Even today, this is still practice. Although there's a lot of people against this, it's 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 very traumatizing to these children. Can you imagine? I mean. Your two-year-old is talking to you and you throw him off a building. Uh, yeah. Anyway, oh, I, 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 every single festival I'm for, this one I have a problem with. Even, uh, yeah. But so this is still practiced today, even among highly educated families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those attending this event believe they it will help with fertility. Oh, God. Yeah. I, as you said, I don't want to comment, but I can't see anything good about that. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, this one's much better. Okay. So maybe you'd prefer to head to Castrillo de Murcia, Mar- Spain. Uh-huh. In mid-June mm-hmm. uh, for their annual baby jumping. Okay. <laughs> it is celebrated on Sunday after the Feast of Corpus Christi and dates back to 1620. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this man. He's dressed up in yellow and red. He represents the devil. Mm-hmm. And he runs through the town insulting people. I like that <laughs> part myself. <laughs> I want to be that guy. Yeah, I'm like, that's cool. Uh, Then a drum will announce the arrival of, oh, I forgot to find out the word for this. Oh, well. It's okay. Incomplete notes. Yeah. Um, It arrives, well, I wrote it, but then I couldn't read my writing. (laughs) So then a drum announces with the arrival of, like, the black capture man. Like, they're going to, you know, take care of the devil. Okay. Uh, they're all dressed in bl- yeah, they're all dressed in black. 
Right. And uh, they will drive the devil out of town. At this point, now all the babies born in the past year are placed on mattresses in the street. Oh. Mm-hmm. And this devil is running through the streets of town. And when he gets to the babies, he jumps over them. <laughs> which well, that's, that's nice of him, actually. He could just know, jump but, on them. <laughs> you just really hope he's a good jumper and he doesn't miss. Yeah. Uh, the purpose of this is supposedly to absorb their sins and protect them from disease and misfortune. Like kind of like a baptism. Yeah. And then these, ba- yeah, then these babies are all sprinkled with rose water. Oh, okay. I like that one. Yeah. And you might say, Oh, what do you mean? Sin? They're like under a year old. Well, Christians believe that all babies are born with sin. Thanks to Adam and Eve. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, enough with the babies. Mm-hmm. Some good old-fashioned camel wrestling in Turkey. Right. Okay. This began over 2,400 years ago, supposedly between two caravan owners. Uh, Every year, there's over 30 different events across the Aegean region of Turkey from November to March. Coincidentally, these wrestling matches uh, occur during mating season, so the camels are a little more touchy. (laughs) Uh, Good news. Both single and double humped camels may participate. Aww. Uh, these festivals... Are, I know, I know. It's open to everyone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, these festivals are held on Sundays. There's food, music, and drink, and the camels are completely decked out. Uh, most likely because since 2010, there is also a camel beauty contest. No way. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so you said camel uh, So anyway, so- camel wrestling... You said wrestling. wrestling? Yes. Like, yeah, how like do you envision sumo wrestling how? with camels? How? Yeah, well, I can't imagine well, here's, that. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. It's mating season. They're frisky. Oh, okay. okay so, Got it. So they get two camels to get mad at each other. They parade a female in heat in front of them before the fight. Uh, okay, that was an and important detail, so, Chris. <laughs> I was getting to it. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. <laughs> And I guess basically the wrestling is they kind of, with their necks and stuff, they kind of try to throw each other down to the ground. Oh, I got it. And Very the fun, cool. fun, at the, end, at the end of the season, there's also a tournament of champions. Mm-hmm. So now you're saying, how does the camel win a camel wrestling contest? <laughs> well, there's five ways. Oh. A, number one, I should say, not A. The camel gets frightened and he doesn't fight at all. So a forfeit. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, if the camel yells. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, three, the camel sits on top of another camel. <laughs> uh, or t- tears its t-shirt. Oh, oh God. I, they don't have it. I don't have the rules. This is just how they win. That could be yeah. a rule. Because they're all decked out. They're pretty, you know, they're dressed to their finest. Yeah, I'm sure. So number four is the owner can call it due to, you know, danger of the camel or number five, the ref calls it because of danger. Right. All right. So do you know what the prize is? And nope. Well, it's, it's not a ham. Okay. Uh, well, it's a carpet. I assume it's like a new one to drape over the camel. Oh, like right. Okay. And more importantly, bragging rights. Of course. I mean, really, it's all about the bragging rights. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Amazing. All right. So now we're going to go back to Spain. Spain has an unusual amount of festivals, by the way. I'm noticing that. (laughs) Which I didn't expect it to be Spain. I really thought, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like China, Japan, you know, Asian festivals. It keeps going back to Spain. (laughs) I know. There's something about Spain. I know. Well, this time it's, you're going to love this one. Mm -hmm. It's time for the Antzar Iguana or Day of the Geese. Mm Mm-hmm. Yay! You think all day, all geese, right? Mm-hmm. No, not uh-huh. exactly. Oh, no. This is actually just a part of the San Antolin Festival in the fishing town of uh, Lequitio. Mm-hmm. I am just mutilating these names. I was going to say you're doing a great job, but actually, I don't know because I don't speak any of these languages. <laughs> I know. Oh. I-, I like how everything comes against with a French accent and not yeah. one of these is in France. So, I think it was the maple syrup heist that in Quebec. That most likely. Yeah, it's still sitting with me. <laughs> so in this event, ready? You're going to love this. Participants oh. try to 
decapitate a goose that is suspended by a rope above the harbor. Oh, that's horrible. Oh. Basically, this is how it's done. Picture it. Participants are in a small boat, and they attempt to jump off and grab the goose, which has been coated in grease, and they try to remove its head. But at the same time, spectators are on both sides, and they're holding the rope that is attached to the goose. So they keep it tight, and then when the guy grabs onto it, they kind of let it loose to keep dunking the participant into the water. Yeah. Yeah. And now this will go on until they are shaken loose or they successfully decapitate the goose. Oh God. And now if there's a tie, Mm -hmm. if there's a tie, it is settled with a rowing race around uh, San Nicholas Island. Mm -hmm. By the way, the prize for the decapitating the goose is the goose. The goose. (laughs) Oh God. No, I didn't like that one at all. I just, the poor goose. You're going to hate my fun fact. Oh God. Up until 1986, mm-hmm. the, supposedly the geese were still alive, but sedated. <laughs> Wait, I assumed they were still alive. I th- oh, I, I assumed, assumed they were dead. <laughs> oh, I assumed they were alive, and that's what, well, I would, oh, God. Oh, let's but move on. Well, no, because I'm not done yet. So oh, then yeah. in 2006, they had to go with plas- a plastic goose. Oh, there you go. The avi- well, because the avian flu. <laughs> Oh, really? Not, not because of the geese? Oh, man. <laughs> so today, should you choose to participate, you can choose either a plastic or a dead goose. Oh, God. Okay, now this is my favorite. This is the last festival. It's my favorite. I mean, they say it's a family-friendly um, festival, mm-hmm. but the description and everything, maybe if you have younger children mm-hmm. in the car, you just want to turn this off right now. But mm-hmm. it's a fun one for the adults. All right. Okay, I lied. This is not it. <laughs> okay. Wow, that was a huge build-up. We want more. We want more. <laughs> I just read my notes completely wrong. If you turned it off, I'm sorry you're going to miss this one, but when you turn it back on, you'll hear this one before the other one. So, this one, I forgot about this one. Mm-hmm. Again, did I mention I finished these at 6 o'clock in the morning? That's right. Yes. No, no, no. We're, we are Team Chris right now. We support you. <laughs> Okay, well, this is the one before my favorite, because this is not my favorite. Uh, uh-huh. This is the Famadahana ceremony in Madagascar, or uh, turning of the bones, which, mm-hmm. as we've learned, you can't do that in China, but you can do it in Madagascar. Anyway, mm-hmm. this is a celebration. It's kind of nice in one sense. The theory behind it, mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. The actual festival, I don't know if I'm a fan of. So this is a celebration of the deceased family members. A local astrologer uh, determines when the cel- when the ceremony can happen. It is any time between July and September, and it's for two days, and everything must be done in that two days. You cannot celebrate a different time. And the family will plan at least a year in advance, if not several years, because this is a very expensive uh, festival. Wow. So, yeah, it's very expensive for that because there's so many, like um, – you're showing the deceased family members that money is of no object to, um, right? Yes, to celebrate. To that. show them your affection, you know. Yeah, to, yeah I've yeah. lost the words. Yeah, so yeah. Oh. the family goes to the family crypt. Mm-hmm. They remove the bodies of the ancestors. Now, the crypt is only opened for these two days, mm-hmm. um, and they do say now is the time to slide in anyone new. By the way, so. <laughs> Oh, if it is the first time this if it, this is the first time the body is being removed it must be fe- first okay uh i don't know why it didn't say mm-hmm. uh their old burial clothing is removed the bodies are cleaned and new silk cloths are wrapped around them and now remember silk is very expensive mm-hmm. and then i think i know why but then you will spray either perfume or wine on them <laughs> oh i kind of like it though and like I said, it has a, I'm on the fence on this one. I, and there's things I like about it and things that I'm like, mm, eh. Yeah. Okay. Well, remember those old cloths that we took off? The burial uh-huh. cloths? That, those those contain special powers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, young brides need to place them under a mattress to help with fertility. Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, the po- bodies are ready for the party. Family members 
dance with the bodies. Wow. They sit down and spill the tea to the bodies. You know, they catch them up on all the gossip. Uh, you can also ask the, bo- the bodies for, I hate saying the word bodies, but the ancestors. Let's change the ancestors yes. if I remember. Right, right. Uh, the ancestors may also, uh, are also there. You can ask for their advice. Uh, now you tell stories about your ancestor to the younger ones that are there and while stroking the body of the ancestor. Aww. So the young ones sit with the body. Yeah. Now this all has to be done before the sun sets because mm-hmm. before the sun sets the body, the bodies need to be placed back into the crypt mm-hmm. face down and with gifts of money or booze. Wow. Um, should you choose, you can leave water at the crypt and next year at the next festival, you can take it back and you sprinkle it around the house for good luck. Aww. I I really like this tradition. I I know it sounds odd, like digging up the bodies and celebrating with them, but I feel like it would give the families sort of a feeling that they're reunited. Uh, yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I like. It's not the goose. <laughs> oh God, the goose was horrible. God, <laughs> uh, it's not the baby tossing. No, I'm no. I'm on the fence over it. I like the whole theory behind it. And I like yeah. it, and I guess it's just you know. My upbringing, I mean, if you brought up the bringing them out every year, it doesn't bother you, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. It's something to look yeah. forward to. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of cultures that they do pull up the bodies and clean them and stuff, I don't they? I think so. Do, yeah, yes. Oh. No. Clean the bones and they put them in the crypts and stuff. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, it's not, an, I mean, I, I suppose going to the party with them is a little different than what I would expect, but teach their yeah. own. Anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. it's getting late, and my mm-hmm. favorite festival is now. Okay. All right. So, Bring it. If you didn't take my advice before, I'll say it again. It isn't for everyone in the family, mm. but for you adults, I think you'll get a kick out of it. And you've probably heard of it, to be honest. So get on a plane and get to Tokyo on the first Sunday of April for the Kanamara Matsuri Festival mm-hmm. or Tokyo's Penis Festival. Oh, Festival of the Steel Phallus. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) It is held at the Kanamara Shrine in Kawasaki. It's just south of Tokyo. This festival goes back to ancient times. Mm -hmm. The story is, there once was a demon who fell in love with a young woman. The demon did exactly what we all thought he would do. Why, he hid in her vagina. (gasps) now wow wow and and ow (laughs) carry on now he would get jealous of any lover this young woman might entertain so at his first shall we say opportunity right he would bite their penis off. <laughs> oh, sorry. I still have my COVID cough. Okay, so you've got a, a, a demon in your vagina <laughs> biting the penises of... having a monkey on your back okay (laughs) (laughs) just so you know this even occurred on two separate wedding nights he (laughs) sorry you have to edit out this cough i'm sorry oh my god all right okay well the girl was quite tired of this happening (laughs) and and the man i'm sure too i'm sure so she counsel she consulted the local blacksmith as one does um, and, and he created an iron phallus, right? With the idea that it would break the demon's teeth, which did. Oh. And now this iron phallus is enshrined in the temple. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm sorry, since you've already given the warning that this is not child friendly. Do you think that was like the first dildo? <laughs> I assume. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Maybe. It didn't look. 
I think we need to check <laughs> Maybe that. she just made up. She might have made up this whole story about the biting demon just to, just to get the first sex toy made. <laughs> okay. So the shrine now has become a focal point for couples to <laughs> pray for, for, for fertility and a good marriage. So from the 17th to the 19th century, sex workers would pray for protection or a cure. Uh, and around this time, actually, a festival festival began focusing on sexual health, eh, but it fizzled out until about 1970, mm-hmm. when the chief priest decided to resurrect the festival, but it was small and at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of nowhere, in about two th- 2012, an advocate for sex positivity and the LGBTQ rights brought this festival to light, and it's now intended mm-hmm. about, about 50,000 people annually. Wow. So what is in this festival, you might ask? Yeah. Well, a whole lot of penis. I don't know. Is that the penises, penis? The don't plural know. of penis. Anyway. I don't know. So they, ha- <laughs> they have this procession, a parade of mm-hmm. mikoshi. That's basically like little, like portable shrines. But these shrines have mm-hmm. huge penises coming out of them. <laughs> Oh my! You seriously God. have to go look at the photos. You have to go look at the photos online. I, These are amazing, I, I and people, I mean, people are loving it. Oh my God! Oh. <laughs> so, the parade starts and ends at the shrine, and it takes about an hour. So, get there early. You want to get a good yes. spot. Yes, you want to get your penises and get there grab early. a good snack. So, you'll need to grab. That's right. You'll need to grab a penis or a vulva lollipop. They're available in a variety of flavors. Oh grab them early. Oh They're on Instagram. They're an Instagram staple. Maybe oh you're God. thirsty. Well, you might want to visit the Amazaka stand. See, you'll be given a small salty fish to eat before your cup of oh, sweet. Oh, please, please don't say it. Did you hear it? Uh, sweet, milky, yeah. Amazake. Oh. It's uh-huh. to mimic. Well, you can't guess. Anyway, you can also get sake. They're in little containers. It's oh, a little stronger than that. And it's labeled kintama, which stands for testicle, or banco, which means vagina. Oh, oh boy. Don't worry. There's family-friendly activities, too. Why? You can carve your own penis out of a daikon radish. Uh, you can dress up and take pictures like a penis. Uh-huh. Uh, there's tons of photo ops. There's a whole variety of uh, peni all around the, the shrine. Yeah. You can even, yeah, or you can just go shopping. There's so many trinkets and all the proceeds go to charity. Oh, it's actually pretty this great. Actually, it, it, you've got to see the pictures. These are ginormous and they're parading through the town. People wearing all their penis hats and everything else. It looks like oh. so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And this is enjoyable all ages. It's not like, it's not a gay pride yeah. festival or anything. This is young people, old people, drag queens, teenagers, every form of life goes yeah. to this festival. Well, amazing. <laughs> but don't you worry, Deb. I didn't forget my nor- you, my northern friend. You have a oh. couple of funky festivals, too. Oh, boy. Um, I just grabbed a couple of them because I knew this was going to be long. But mm-hmm. you do have the annual Pentacton Elvis Festival in June, where it's all okay. Elvis all the time. Oh God! You also have the the Icelandic festival of Manitoba. It's oh. all Icelandic food, music, Viking battles, frisbee contest parades, Viking village, Maid of the Mountain crowning, and more. And that lasts for three days in July. Wow! And you also you also have the international hair freezing contest. <laughs> that That's happens every, every day. February at the Tahini Hot Springs. <laughs> yes, well, this special event is every February at the Takini Hot Springs. You basically soak oh. your hair, and when it comes out, it'll freeze instantly, so you have to try to get the wackiest hairdo. Oh, that's And that, my dear, cool, is actually. just the beginning of all the festivals. There's so many fun things out there, and I know just a slight delve deeper. So when I can't come oh, up with a topic, I'll probably come back with some more. That was amazing. I can't. I just can't believe it. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you have to kind of maybe see them to the believe them too, you know? Like, just hearing about them oh, isn't it, enough. This picture's... No, and I mean, it's a simple, quick little... I mean, this, I didn't delve deep at all. This was all quick, quick, quick on yeah. Google. I know if you really look like if I... Uh, you know, yeah. if it's in Spain's uh, traditions, gosh. 
Evidently, it'll yeah. go on forever. <laughs> Seriously. But I Seriously. It was very fun. I loved it, and especially, you know, I love always the meaning behind things, right? So I love learning about sort of how they came up. Oh, my God. Well, thank you. That was amazing. And uh, we want to thank our listeners, too, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Today We Laughed and Learned. Um, you can check us out on Instagram at Today We Laughed and Learned and Facebook at Today We Laughed and Learned. We would love to... Um, you know, for you to for you to message us and let us know who you are and what you're enjoying, maybe what you're not. Uh, you can also email us at todaywelaughed at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We're not sure which um, platform you use, but whichever it is, firstly, thank you. And secondly, uh, drop us a, a five-star rating if uh, if you wouldn't mind. Follow us, subscribe, <laughs> uh, like, and, and show your love and support. We really, really appreciate it. We appreciate you tuning in. So, Chris, I think that we can safely say that today we laughed and learned. And we learned all about crazy festivals from all over the globe. That's right. Thanks, everybody. Good night, Chris. All right. Good night, everyone.